0: At the end of your life, what will be your legacy? What will you leave behind for future generations? For the world, join the world messenger, Isabella Lundberg, each week as she brings you a new distinguished guest from the business, sports, or entertainment world to share their success, their struggles, and their lessons. They will share their insights into current hot topics that affect everyone. Isabella facilitates an intimate, vulnerable environment to find the true value of humanity and real leadership. Are you ready for your legacy? The legacy that matters.: Good morning. <laughs> this is Isabella Lombicu at Legacy Leaders and I have a very special guest this morning with me. His name is Stuart Morris and he is conversing with me back in UK, and we will be discussing a very interesting topic, which is rites of passage which i'm very very intrigued and i'm sure you guys are intrigued as well what this is all about and how morris got into this field um good morning morris how are you doing
1: i'm good Isabella. how are you
0: excellent it's a pleasure to have you on the legacy leader show and thank you for coming and finding time to share with us about your current adventure or venture but before we dive in and understand better what the passage or the rites of the t- uh, of passage, I'm sorry, are, do you mind just giving us a little bit of about your background and how you got to this point?
1: Sure, that's a, a story I shall try and compress because otherwise we'd be talking for hours. But please, um, so I grew up in um, in a church house. My dad was a, a minister, um, mm-hmm. but I didn't have faith. Uh, and I grew up as as a geek. I loved computers and technology. Uh, I went to university. I studied a, a very geek subject, uh, and and built my career around technology and internet security and encryption. Um, and I also got involved in the church. I actually became a Christian in my uh, early twenties, uh, and spent a lot of time. Uh, heavily involved in the church and came to appreciate the rites of passage the celebrations that we have of birth of death of marriage of coming of age uh, and various other things through that I started studying sort of in my in my spare time uh, the the rites of passage as they've been celebrated by tribes and peoples throughout history and all over the world and it, and it is really something that brings us all together every culture everywhere celebrates welcoming a new child into a family that child growing coming of age the marriage that you perhaps hope they your child will have and then uh, that cycle repeats <laughs> uh, yes. and eventually we, we celebrate uh, the life of somebody who has lived and whom we, li- whom we have loved through a funeral. So for 29 years, this was kind of a sideline to my main career in technology and entrepreneurship. And I, I built some quite fun businesses, uh, made and lost a lot of money uh, and, and created some things that I'm very proud of in terms of, of legacy. We, oh, I will talk about some of that later, but through all of that, there was this thread of my interest in, in how human beings celebrate these things. And then in 2013, and I don't mind being open about this, I had a, a crisis of mental health. I had a nervous breakdown. I became suicidal and incredibly uh, badly depressed. And through 2014, as I recovered from that as I found myself again, I realized that I'd lost my Christian faith and it was it was a really strange path because this thing that had been part of my life for the whole of my adult life was now gone. And uh, my wife said to me one day, it's interesting you miss the rites of passage because I'd been taking, you know, I took my first funeral 25 years ago, Uh, for a young lady who was 20 years old. I taught her Sunday school since she was small uh, and I'd been doing those things ever since. And I knew that I couldn't go back to my tech career. Once you've been out of it for a while it's very difficult to catch up And, and in a way my heart wasn't in it. And so I thought about what Jane had said about missing the rites of passage and we discovered this idea of, of the independent or civil celebrant, somebody who is a minister without religion, uh, mm-hmm. but leads, can help people lead these rites of passage. And That's
0: I- Very I, powerful, I, sorry for pausing for a second here. Um, I, I love what you bring in the global spectrum here and, 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 and connections and relationships, how we as a humans, no matter where we are geographically and what our upbringing it is, connect on the same things instead of looking what we differ on and then finding tapestries to enrich that and find and even to build much more closer experiences as we celebrate and the same time as we grieve. Um, you also touched on something very huge right now in terms of mental health which uh, we current events a lot of people are struggling with and put in still very stoic face to it. Um so do you mind just if uh just back up for a second and share a little bit of that journey uh, that helped you to break through, because I think it's insanely valuable right now for so many people. How did you overcome it? What did you do to build that inner strength? Because you radiate now so much inner strength and the light and, and, and enthusiasm that I know it's, it's within, right? So it's like, what would you suggest and, 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 and recommend for people that are struggling?
1: I think there's two things. The first, first is connection. Uh, and even if we're an introvert or an extrovert, it doesn't matter. You, we as human beings are a social creature. Evolutionarily, we, we function best when we're in community with people. Now, as an introvert, I might want to spend some time with people and then withdraw and, and recover on my own. As an extrovert, uh, actually, extroverts tend to recover with people. So you need to find that balance for you. But true connection, and I think that's the thing that this... I mean, it's not social distancing. Social distancing is such the wrong word. It's physical distancing. We need to be physically different from people to stop the, the spread of this virus. But that doesn't mean we need to be socially distant. And certainly, when you know, when I look at people like my dad, uh, you know, I got him an iPhone so that we could FaceTime, so that we could actually sit in the evening and just talk, looking at each other. And it transformed his life from being a, an elderly gentleman on his own, basically isolated, to being able to speak to his grandchildren, to his children, to his other friends and see them. And so I think for me, it was finding one or two people that I could connect with that I could be honest with about my feelings you know the days when I was really feeling literally suicidal you know I I did I was on my way to to take my own life at one point um and that you know I was stopped obviously and and I'm very grateful that I was now although at the time it didn't feel like that but when we are depressed it, it that sense of isolation is what becomes that spiral downwards. So if you can find one or two people to connect to, preferably not in a Facebook group where it becomes that echo chamber of, of either nastiness or or bitterness, it becomes so easy, but people you can really, really be honest with about how you're feeling. Uh, So connection is one. But the other thing for me was having the courage to, draw a line on my old life in tech and teaching entrepreneurship i taught at the henley business school uh, taught entrepreneurship for four years and say so, you know what that that life was fun but it's been killing me it's it's part of what's led me to this point point. and so to have the courage to draw a line and say okay what do i want to be doing and so with those two things if you can do that and have the courage to say, okay, you know, when I was the CTO of an internet security business, I earned a lot of money. Let's not beat it around the bush. Now I earn less money. It's just money. It, yeah, you know, money c- cannot buy happiness. And I've been on both ends of that equation. I'm, I'm more settled and content in myself now earning uh, roughly a third what I used to earn than I was when all of that money and yes you have to make adjustments to what car you drive and Lifestyle, you live, of course. things like that but you, the happiness comes from the connection you have with other people and the connection you have with your day-to-day life and if there is a disconnect, if there's a, a an incongruity between who you, ha- who you are and where your heart is and what you get up and do every day, then that is damaging to you. And and what I've been fortunate enough to find is this place where, where my heart is, which my heart is to serve people. My heart is to help people. My heart is to lift people up. Mm-hmm. And what I do on a day to day basis. So if we if we carry the earlier story on for a moment. I trained I did the training to be a celebrant, but I knew most of it because I'd been doing it within the church context. And now I was doing it as my full-time day job outside a church context so with families who had no faith or families who have mixed faiths faiths or have mixtures of faith most people in the world today don't have a clearly defined evangelical christianity or sufi islam what they have is a blend of their family culture and their friends culture and the church they go to or the it's Messy in the middle where most people are. And so what I tell people I do now is I celebrate love. My day job.
0: Wow, that is gorgeous. Tell us more.
1: Whether it's a marriage, a couple saying (laughs) their love for one another, whether Mm -hmm. it's a baby naming. So it's that family welcoming that child into their family and expressing their love whether it's the coming of age of a family of adults welcoming a child across that transition into adulthood. And I think that's something that Western culture lost. Uh, and I, we, we see a huge problem in society. Uh, and I'm going to use a, a gender here. I, young men becoming men and not understanding what that means, both the strength and the vulnerability and their role within community. And young women, I mean, obviously there's the biological change that a woman goes through as she goes from childhood through puberty, which is obvious. But then the emotional, where is my value within my community? What is my role within my community? And I don't mean that in a misogynistic sense at all, but it, it is a different process for men and women. And for those people who don't identify as as a binary gender, it's even more complex. How do they make that transition into adulthood?
0: Very, very true. And it's specific also where you grew up, right? Certain cultures still have some of the traditions that are hundreds and thousands years old, and they're very restrictive in a way. They may be beautiful uh, and simplistic or way too complex, but still don't necessarily uh, reflect uh, what what current trends are. And as a result, we have a lot of frictions and disconnect and a lot of pain points, right?
1: Uh, One of the joys that that I've discovered is... um, we don't have a proper name for it yet. We're calling it a trans identity ceremony where somebody who is transitioning from one gender to another, mm-hmm. you know, I have I have friends who've gone through this process and it's psychologically and physically awful. The, the hell that a human being must go through to the point where they actually get the surgery and then the surgery is is a major trauma surgery. So it has the psychological cost on the individual to get to the point where society will allow them the surgery and then the physical trauma of that surgery and then the recovery from that. And out of the end of that process, this individual who was known as John now wants to be or identifies as Jillian or whatever it is. One of the joys of, of my role is to say, well, let's have a ceremony where we welcome you in your new identity into the community so with your family and friends your invited list there is no do's or don'ts and we will have not quite a baby naming ceremony but a naming ceremony where you announce to the world your new identity the identity that you may have felt internally for years and are now able to express fully and that can be a truly transformative event both for the individual but for also for their friends and family because they go through this process of well we knew you as John when are you going to become well this is an event this is the moment which if you haven't caught up yet Mm -hmm. now you do because I'm not that person I was that person Mm -hmm. Uh, and it it can be such a healing process for the individual, but also for the, for their friends and family you say, oh, now we know who we love, because g- it's all about love.
0: Yes, that's, that's a beautiful. Day, that's absolutely beautiful focus and, and, and you're spot on. We don't see those aspects of, tra- of transition and switch and then and, and a lot of times people don't know what to do. And as a result, they acting out or making mistakes or creating more pain or more hurt because um, they're not able to, to comprehend that whole process and when the shift occurred, spot on.
1: And, and for me, you know, I'm a white, middle-aged, middle-class, heterosexual male. I have no concept of what it must be to, for somebody to, to not feel at home in their own body. To, you know, I, I, through discussions with my friends, I've come to have some comprehension of it, but it seems such a, a, a dramatic thing to go through. I, I don't, I can honestly say I don't get it, but that doesn't mean I can't support them, I can't love them, I can't stand beside them as a as a friend and and support and be there. And I think that's something that's really important for all of us, actually, with so much division in the world right now, whether it's politics or faith or whatever, actually, here is a human being who is going through hell, just stand beside them. And, and talking of going through hell, you know, at the other end of what I do is, and this, this kind of is what I do almost daily, is I take funerals. I stand with a family help them celebrate the love they have for this person who has died. Mm. I write their story and I give the eulogy and I express this is that person's life. And the privilege of to sit with a 94 year old lady who has just lost her husband. They were married when they were 20 years old. So they've been married 74 years, the couple I'm thinking of and to hear her speak about his life, to hear her talk about the love that they shared for all of those years, and then for me to write a ceremony that synthesizes all of that into one moment in time. And in her words, it was, every word that needed to be said between us has been said, I just want to say goodbye to the man I have loved for a lifetime and
0: wow that my is.
1: my job so is to have the privilege beautiful. to to help her do that
0: that is fantastic did you just say they were being married 73 years
1: 74 years when he died yeah
0: oh my goodness that i is, can't
1: imagine that
0: that's that's what i'm saying those types of marriages and relationships are unheard or specifically in mortar time and with everything that is going on and and how do you capture that Huge milestone, and 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 be the role model and, and and showing and reflecting what they're all about. So that is very powerful. What do you do and celebrating somebody's lifetime? Absolutely. Yeah. So, how did that particular situation go? <laughs>
1: um, well, to summarize that one, she came out at the end at the end of the funeral. I walked out, um, uh, paid my last respects to her husband, and headed for the door and I watched her as her two sons, who were themselves in their early 70s, um, helped her to her husband's coffin and she kissed it so tenderly. And then she came out and she put her arms around me and hugged me ever so tightly. Um, And she said, that was perfect, thank you. And yeah, what more could I ask? What more could I ask? So last year I took 167 funerals. um, Wow six of those were for babies <laughs> yes six of those were for babies uh stillborn babies or late miscarriages and nine of them were for uh men who'd taken their own lives all of them uh, were men who'd taken their own lives uh for various reasons two of them were service personnel uh, suffering from PTSD from and
0: suffering from the post military deployments
1: yeah and um two To stand beside uh, the brother of a man who took his own life because of post-traumatic stress. And that brother was in the same battalion. He'd seen the things
0: that the other one seen it too.
1: And he insisted that at the end of the funeral, he was going to read uh, a poem. Um, If you Google, we will remember them. Uh, It's a, a very English. British uh, thing that was uh, uh, used every uh, what we call Remembrance Sunday. Um, and
0: uh, Absolutely well, thank you.
1: Yeah, I looked at him and I said, there's no way you're going to make this. And he said, I have to do this for my brother. And this man walked up to his brother's coffin at the very end, and he got three words into this reading. And he, of course, burst into tears. And his knees went and he he just dropped to the floor. And I watched these two other retired uh, soldiers walk up to the front and lift him by his elbows and hold him up so that he could stand and finish. Sorry, it's going to get me crying now. Uh, so that he could stand and finish this reading for his brother. And it took ages because he'd get three words and he'd have to stop and cry. And then he'd get another three words and stop and cry. And it was one of the most moving things I have ever witnessed. He was determined to honour his brother, and uh, and he was. They were both just soldiers, no rank, no military valor or anything like that. Just soldiers who served their country uh, the best they could, and and well, with bravery and with with fortitude. But for whom, without wanting to make a political statement, I feel the country let them down. The country did not care for them on their return home. And the other guy, he was an officer um, and his friends arrived at the cemetery uh, half an hour early. This is not a full military honours funeral. This is, he didn't qualify for that. This is just a normal family funeral. But his friends practiced for half an hour carrying that coffin in so that, The funerals we've seen on TV, you know, the Arlington Cemetery, that kind of thing, they carried their fallen comrade in with that same level of precision. And that was them honouring him. Uh, in their own and-
0: way and finding ways to to show how much they appreciate him, but it's also really interesting parallel what you're saying here, Stuart. That two brothers, which we see all the time, even two people in the same family being raised children, having completely two different experiences. One is so profoundly negatively impacted by depression and post-traumatic stress disorder and events that occurred and, and, and how they impact their psyche and emotions but with others that really draw more on their strengths and in completely different outcome. And, and 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 it's very unfortunate, but in the same time, it's a strong contrast that we cannot treat everybody the same, just giving, oh, look at they overcame and, and, and you should too, without really allowing people to truly be vulnerable and express themselves and share and know that they have a support and system where they need to. And unfortunately, we in the United States have insanely high numbers even before this coronavirus and political shifts and changes in 2020, where suicide right now it's actually predominantly widely around all ages. Uh, used to be highly teenagers and obviously military guys and people. Uh, in their late 50s and 60s and now it's we see uh, suicides all around. I mean it's it's almost like epitome in in, in, in some ways. So please go ahead.
1: It's okay in the UK um, suicide is the single largest cause of death of men under the age of 55
0: wow that is insane statistic i did not know i was always kind of focusing on u.s landscape and some kind of general global but i did not the uk staying so high there yeah.
1: and i what think, you think that, is that number is, you
0: think is that is, is, a, is a climate is an environment is a society is it's, it's
1: society placing pressure on people if for, for me i felt you know my marriage had broken up uh my business was in a mess, my, you know, everything that, in a quote, a man defines himself by had failed, had, you know, and and it's very difficult to blame anybody else. People who do blame of everybody else, and, and, you know, basically psychopathic because at the end of it, you, you took the decision for good or ill. Um, And, I had incredible pressure upon me to to solve various family issues and, and uh, things that were going on. And I just couldn't see how to, it seemed to be me that was the problem. And that's something that I've seen, you know, I've spoken to many, many people who've, who've come to the point of suicide and, and have survived, is that occasionally it's, I need to be selfish. If I do this to myself, it will stop hurting. In my experience, that's relatively rare. For most people, it's if I do this, everybody else will be in a better place. And that was certainly what was going on in my head. It was actually, if I take myself out of the equation, they can all find a solution to this that is less damaging for all of them. It seems to be me that's causing the damage. And so we put this immense pressure on people to be perfect, to, to you know, be as I zero, or to um, you know, earn whatever the money is, to spring out of bed with makeup and hair that's looking perfect, to be able to stand on camera and deliver. You know, the, the Facebook, Instagram world where your skin is perfect because it's been digitally enhanced is putting incredible pressure on young women. To you know, they, they see these uh, images in the press and on TV and YouTube and all the rest of it, of, of all these perfect-looking women, and think I have to be like that, or or worse. You know, they they come across pornography, or their boyfriends come across pornography, and uh, the boyfriends going, well, why don't you look like that naked? Well, because that's been surgically enhanced, and you know, is an extreme example. And so this pressure on young women to look perfect when none of us looks perfect. None, we're, we're human beings. We're, we're asymmetrical. We're our faces don't quite match. If you put the mirror up, if you, it doesn't look quite right. It's, it's, this pressure to be perfect that social media and, and the media at large and, and especially pornography, which I, I think is just an incredibly damaging process because it, it, tells young men that this is what you should be expecting from your partner and it tells young women that they should be like that well that's a disaster starting Absolutely. and then we see films glorifying violence and and that kind of and sort of a superhero image you know which which little boy hasn't tried to be batman or superman and fly well the reality <laughs> is you know you're human. You're just Absolutely. human. Uh, and I think that creates a disconnect that, that love is conditional. I will love you if you're beautiful. I will love you if you are strong. I will love you if you have no body hair, whatever it is. Um, and then we feel... then you have Facebook friendship, which is based on a a myth anyway, the idea that, oh, I have 700 Facebook friends. Yeah, how many of those people have you actually sat down and had dinner with and told them the truth that's in your heart? Or or how many of them know that your marriage is a total mess or that you're pulling your hair out because your kids are on drugs or whatever? Facebook is, again, turns into this myth zone where we get up in the morning and post a happy picture of whatever it is we baked today or I'm being I'm being slightly facetious
0: but it's becoming very artificial, and you're spot on. We're seeing social media dictating abstract, uh, absolutely uh, illusional way of being, and we're detached more and more as a result. Who we are, and and what we actually, truly, naturally feel, and and it's hard to sustain that. It's hard to compete with that. It's hard to, and that's why we're more miserable, more unhappy, and because we, and then we're constantly searching happiness outside, and we're also asking, uh, and 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 you and consuming wrong things in order to get that little short-term satisfaction. Uh, I, I just literally created something I would focus on to be liked or really, really uh, focus on to be respected. I don't think that the newer generation really understands the difference. They don't even know what respect truly is. And that is how heartbroken, breaking it is this, Stuart. Uh, so yep. I totally hear you uh, and, and you spot on because we're creating very artificial way of being that doesn't have nothing to do with love, nothing with compassion, with the kindness, empathy, all those beautiful ingredients to make life rich that you are yeah. doing and, and and from beginning to the end on all aspects of your clients and work you do.
1: So you're absolutely right. For anybody who's ever taken pretty much any kind of drug, that endorphin hit, you know the dopamine hit as well. Yeah, you know, this, this, your phone, it's it's digital cocaine. The the wake up in the morning and look at Facebook and mm-hmm. get that little dopamine hit. Um, it becomes addictive. And, and, you know, as human beings, we like pleasure. We don't like pain. So it is a behavioral thing. And so, you know, to, to complete my journey, uh, well, complete, complete to date my journey, um, two and a half years ago, I started training people to be celebrants or officiants. Uh, as I think the phrase in the States is more. And so uh, within two years, I built the one of the largest celebrant training organizations here in the UK. And um, in August, we are running our first training course live online because I physically can't get to the States uh, in America. So we're gonna go global
0: that is fantastic that is great news congratulations it's very much so needed and alternative for what we're seeing what is happening right now that is healthy that is inclusive and that is uh love centered i think that is absolutely what everybody needs around the world for sure
1: yeah i mean one of my one of the weddings that i took that i will carry with me for the rest of my life and in fact i'm still in touch with the couple uh one from um, an evangelical Christian background in the southern United States, one from a Buddhist background from Singapore, um, two guys. So neither family entirely happy about their son's choice of of life partner. And we created a wedding ceremony uh, that had Buddhist elements, Christian elements, and actually, because this is what the guys were interested in, celtic pagan elements not in using a worship because i'm not a, a pagan priest but they just wanted what's called a hand fasting ceremony where we literally tie their hands together as part of their marriage ceremony and so we created a wedding ceremony that melded their cultures and their histories and and their backgrounds into a beautiful statement of who they were as a couple and actually both sets of parents stood up and made speeches that that left everybody breathless because they said, actually, we recognize the love that's here and, and we choose to put aside our previous prejudices. And actually it's, it's been beautiful to watch how both families came together literally during that wedding ceremony because we built a wedding ceremony that honored both sides. Uh, and now that 's the kind of thing that a celebrant can do is he actually have the power to heal schisms within families it 's amazing and and now, to be able to teach people to do that is well, actually, the last slide of my training course, the very last slide that we put up on the Friday afternoon uh, is what three things would you like somebody to say about you during the eulogy they've written for your funeral? And the question is, what's your legacy? Mm -hmm. And for me, the answer is simply that I have spread as much love as possible as one man can do, or one woman, or I'm a man, but so it's one man around Mm -hmm. the world. And so yeah, there are only so many funerals a year I can take, but if I can teach 200 people to take funerals and each of them take 200 funerals, then I've multiplied my reach uh, massively. And so that's, that's my mission. That's my legacy
0: that is so powerful and very beautiful because uh we need to uh, celebrate people who gave their service in their lifetime in the most beautiful ways too because everybody contribute by being on this planet earth in different ways uh and i think it's also very powerful uh, teaching the craft seeing those success stories and and how actually you transform people's lives Um, Transformation is uh, very important right now because it's inner work, it's within. A lot of times people want a quick satisfaction, quick change, but but that doesn't usually last, collapses. And uh, what I love about uh, what you shared and, and all the efforts and how you naturally recognize within yourself over the years, IT world doesn't work anymore and, and it's not my heart in it. Where's my heart in it? And then going deeper and then also realize, and usually when we go through major emotional uh, distress, uh, depression suicide or 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 just simply um, painful events, they usually crack the, 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 the and, and show the light on things that we really never really look at as, as like this is really me, this is what i 'm all about and then now finding that and then sharing that gift with others, I think that is um, extremely uh, impactful, powerful. And, and very much so overreaching a legacy, not in your lifetime that you already have, but years and generations to come. So with that in mind, Stuart, if you don't mind sharing, obviously you want to reach globally. Now we have a technology that we can really make that happen. Uh, but do you mind just sharing for people that are like, oh my God, I'm interested, I'm curious um what what exactly uh, this this concept is about? um if you could distill it in like a couple of different bullet points what so that somebody can really just say, "Oh this is me or maybe this is not me or but I know oh, yeah. someone else that it is for me please
1: and and you bring up a really good point because the the, the this is not me is a really valid decision it 's just as important for you to identify what you do want to do. And- it is to identify what you don't want to do and so many of us uh, we left school we got a career and in 30 years down the road we've got children a house a car credit card debts and we're in a career that we didn't even middle management in in some middle-sized company somewhere and and was this really what I wanted to do no it's just what I've drifted to doing and I think for me having the courage sorry uh, to um, to say, okay, let's strip it all back. Let's strip back the ego. Let's strip back the the trappings of power and money and all the rest of it and say, who am I when all of that is stripped away? And so for a celebrant, actually, the best celebrants are people who want to serve. They want to help people both going through hell, but also going through heaven. Hell being the funeral, heaven being the wedding many of us specialize i do lots of funerals and very few weddings i've got friends who do lots lots and lots of weddings and very few funerals or none at all so you will find your niche within the industry we always teach both so that you've got the skills to do both but then you find your niche somebody who can stand up and speak you do need to be able to, to stand in front of a crowd but that's teachable skill as well. And it's something that you can practice. So you may be there thinking, I'm very nervous about standing up and speaking in front of a crowd. But no, actually, it's just a skill like any other. It can be taught. It can be, uh, it can be improved. Mm-hmm. Fundamentally, it's a heart for people. And, and when I joke about being a minister of no religion, you know, if you think of any good minister of religion that you've ever met, they're humble people, they are usually quite courageous, they are empathetic, and they're caring. Very true. Usually what they've got is a belief in one particular faith or other, and and what I'm saying for celebrants and officiants is your own faith can be whatever you want it to be, but your ministry is to the world, and you put your faith not to one side you put it internally so if I'm sitting there with uh, a Christian couple who want what looks like a Christian wedding but with a twist then we talk about what they believe and what words they want and how that's important to them having said that often if people have got strong faith then they'll have their ceremonies within their faith community you know they'll have their pastor they'll have their rabbi whatever it's the people on the edges it's the people in mixed environments you know christian buddhist coming together you know, neither priest was going to take that wedding they needed somebody in the middle who was prepared to put themselves to one side to take your ego and say this isn't about me it's about them and actually having said that at the end of the process oh my god does it feel good yeah, the, the, the ego that cut ca- the, the, the,
0: yes, the positive way the reward, the reward on the end did, did i fail them or did i made it uh, a tremendous success and impact which also means that you need to really understand in you know, all these different cultures and religions and traditions and be able to create be creative and think outside of the box and and build something that is powerful but also the continuously shared that actually we can coexist we can be in this beautiful differences but because we're focusing on these similarities and and, and joined us aspects of it, we're enriched as a result of it. And how are you enriching those lives, right? So you're also doing that.
1: So if you can help a family say goodbye to somebody they have loved, you are doing an immense act of good. You're helping them in their grieving process. What we're seeing at the moment with COVID when we can't have proper funerals, when when there were only six people in the UK were allowed at a funeral at the beginning of this process of lockdown. And you saw elderly people sitting alone at a funeral, when what they needed was their whole family hugging them and being around them. And so we're seeing grief process not work. We're seeing it damaged. And we're gonna be reaping the rewards of that in terms of damaged mental health for a long time. But a good funeral, a good send off, a send off that celebrates the life of that person and the lived experience of that family with their loved one. And and it doesn't matter whether they were a baby who never drew breath. And those can be some of the most heart-rending uh, funerals when you are with a young mum and dad who's who's, first child has died during childbirth. It doesn't happen often, but when it does, it is life devastating. That couple will never fully recover from that process. But if you can help them say goodbye and help them understand that their baby matters to you too. And I will weep profusely at these events, not because I'm putting it on, but because I am in pain, I'm in... It's not about me but what they perceive is that I care, their baby matters to me. And we don't say many words, but we say goodbye, and we give the child a name, and then they can begin to rebuild their lives, and they will always have, however many other children they have, that child mattered and and existed for a period of time. Sorry, I, I, I could go on for hours about this stuff because no, I'm passionate that, about it.
0: That, that, is, that is beautiful. And I'm glad that you contrasted and showing not only for somebody who has a full fulfilled life over 60, 70, 80, 90 years, but then also somebody who just actually is supposed to have opportunity and it's already unfortunately gone. And it's important. That is the part of the life. And, and, and it's important to acknowledge both. And I love what you also brought up, the grievance and, and grief. Uh, we have uh, right now so much grief, even without these dramatic events of losses of someone. I mean, losses of job, losses of identity, losses of the home, losses of all the other aspects of it. And then relationships, as you said, I mean, we're also seeing a lot of uh, issues in with even pre-existing relationships that these events show. Instead of there's some things to bring us closer, they actually bring us apart. And then so many things are just completely collapsing and it's creating domino effect and and. Pre- positions, as you said, for long-term impact that not necessarily is always positive, uh, and some people may never recover. And as a result, we also see, fortunately, prematurely people taking their lives because they cannot deal with this anymore. So it's important to have institutions and organizations not only who understand that, but they can address that in a healthy way, can also identify early and also offer solution. And I think that uh, even though you're doing um, the celebration of rites of passage, I also feel like it's an additional element and being as a coach and counselor and dealing with a lot of of these dynamics, uh, I feel like that is also natural additional component of, of, of what naturally comes so that people know where they can go who they yes. should be talking to what resources available that truly can under, you know that are not uh, again domination wise structured uh, westernized and, and in such very strict and restricted forms that will never work for them anyway but that yeah. will recognize their free spirits or different ways of healing because everything you just said has a different way not only being but also a different way of healing and 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 and, and improving the ghost unfortunate events so what do you guys do about that well
1: it's careful to we we need to understand that as celebrants we are we're not grief counselors so our our interaction with this family is from when we get contacted to the funeral and we we don't carry on after the funeral that's a different skill set and there are celebrants who are trained as grief counselors and and may continue on but that's outside the remit of of what
0: I'm What do do you focus in? Yes. Okay.
1: But we also see you talk about healing. You know, we're seeing increases in domestic violence as as couples are, are locked up together and and people having to work from home when actually work was their escape, their safety valve, uh, the place they went to be safe. And that breaks my heart, because the home should be the place where you are safe. Um, And I think what we are seeing is the breakup of marriages, and and we've seen that, it's almost an epidemic, the statistic of sort of 50% of marriages end in in divorce. Uh, Although that's a misleading statistic, because it's not 50% of first marriages, it's 50% of all marriages and second and third marriages are more likely to end in divorce. So first marriages are more likely to last uh, than not last. But something that a celebrant can help with is a divorce healing ceremony. And that can work in a number of different ways. So you might have, you know, the couple are never going to speak to each other again. This is my second wife and me. It's horrific. I feel very bad about my part in that situation but actually I had to come to a point where I needed to forgive myself for my part in that situation otherwise I wasn't going to be able to move on and have healthy relationships in the future. Mm -hmm. And there's a counselling process there, there's all sorts of therapy but at some point actually it might be that having a ceremony, not a big public thing just with a few very close friends and family. At which you say the words, not to your ex-partner because they're somewhere else, you're never going to speak to them again, but out loud to say, I forgive you and I forgive myself for the pain, for what we did to each other, for, for whatever it was however that ceremony is put together can be incredibly cathartic, not just for that person, but for their friends, because divorce tends to be polarizing. It tends to create the them and us sense in in other friends and family. But also I've seen this where the couple have done it together and they have released one another from their marriage vows and forgiven one another and wished each other well into their new life. So it's sort of an unwedding. Um, can actually be an incredibly healing exactly. event. Everybody like, okay, now we move on with the rest of life. So there are whole new ceremonies that, and rites of passage that we hadn't thought of in the past, that bring healing. And so for me, you know, my life's work now, the second half of my life's work, now that I'm the wrong side of 50, is I help families to celebrate love and I teach people to help families to celebrate love and that will be my legacy
0: and that is beautiful Uh, and the reason i brought up the 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 other elements of it and 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 i'm glad you're also doing this uh because healing has to happen and sometimes people don't recognize what they need to do to release that and 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 it's beautiful that you touched on as well but i'm also glad that you're focusing on love because that's the one of the highest forces energetically that moves things forward that makes people the, the desire to do better to desire to do more to be better and also invest in themselves and as a result um, everybody flourish everybody uh, make major major contribution in their lifetime that is then hard not to reflect back on and see uh, and also celebrate when the comes time of their passage to be celebrated upon Anything? Every, every
1: culture, every every faith that I have been able to research says pretty much what you've just said love lifts hate is death and bitterness is like taking poison and hoping that the other person will die every faith every human culture has this belief that love lifts us up and hate pushes us down and it seems to me that in an age where fewer and fewer people are clinging to or, or identifying with a particular faith system we still need a mechanism for celebrating love and actually for me that was a big part of my route to, to health again was to say you know what all of that crap happened and I was responsible for some of it and I wasn't responsible for some of it. But I need to put the bitterness to one side and focus on love. Focus on behaving in a way that loves myself, which was actually very difficult. And for most of us, I think it's very difficult. Uh, focusing on loving those around me and behaving, you know, even if I don't like them. Yeah. Anybody who's had a child knows that moment where you're looking at this, Creature that that you created or had a had a hand in creating, and its behaviour you hate what it's doing right now. It's driving you nuts. But if somebody was to threaten that child, you would gladly give your life because you love them so much. It's a real thing. So for me, it was okay. Hate and bitterness have no part in my future. If somebody upsets me, it's their problem, not my problem. I may have to cope with the consequences of. Of it, mm-hmm. but i don't need to receive that hate and we observed
0: by it and reflected and responded with the hate which a lot of people fortunately this in current times are exactly doing that and as a result of creating dominant effect that is very very rippling in the wrong direction so we need to create more ripples of the love
1: yeah uh, yeah hate hate is a reaction of of weakness it's and it, it's a reaction of stupidity. It's a reaction of ego. The, uh, of, yeah, of the inability to see what could be better. Mm-hmm. And, and any society that's ruled by hate, we just have to look through history. And any society that's ruled by hate has, has dropped to the lowest common denominator.
0: Very, very true, but a beautiful thing, and even in those situations is when things crumble, when they completely dissolve, it's opportunity to raise from the ashes, like a phoenix, and transform. And what we're now talking about is this lasting transformation. That is also life uh, intelligence and life of wisdom that you bring in forefront uh, in the light with the love, which is absolutely even more so powerful because you're tapping on cultures and history and, and beautiful traditions and then tying all of those together to something that is extremely powerful and will be very hard to, um, uh, to, to dissolve. So I really kudo you and and wish you so much uh, good luck uh, on this journey. And I'm so glad you guys are going global because again, having global clients, global um, uh, perspective of what's going on, everybody's craving to be more loved. And one piece you said earlier that a conditional love actually, that we're accepted the way we are and who we are uh, versus uh, those perceived uh, expectations of society uh, that are absolutely, uh, illusion and not giving us uh, anything valuable and tangible besides just more hurt, more disappointment, and more pain. Yeah. So in closing, uh, Stuart, if you don't mind just sharing uh, one uh, last uh, message to the audience and listeners uh, about um just the word wisdom that where you arrive right now through these rites of passage, what you see, no matter which side of the passage we're on, uh, what would you like to leave them with so that they just can hold that as their mantra to move forward?
1: I think the biggest thing is whatever situation you find yourself in, however desperate it is, that there is always the next step, and that as long as you have the courage to take the next breath, to take the next step, there is hope. Mm. And for as long as there is hope, it's easier to take that next step. So it's, a, it's a, a virtuous cycle. Take the breath, take one more step. Take the next breath, take the next step. Set your, high, your sight on something that's lifting you up and follow that and you will find the way forward.
0: Oh, that is so powerful. That is so powerful and everybody I'm sure that are listening uh, absolutely can learn so much. Actually just hit it right away where I needed to hear also this morning myself. So thank you. Um, it was pleasure talking to you and we're looking forward to see in uh, future trainings and where things are going as well as opportunity for others to partake in the rites of passage.
1: Okay, thank you very much Isabella, it's been a pleasure.